from DynastyLeagueFootball.com and the DLF family of podcasts, this is the Super Flex Super Show. Your main source for strategy, speculation, player values, and all things Super Flex. With innovative strategies like QBX and the Super Flex Flywheel, exercises like Tinder Flex, Super Six, You're Nuts, and next week this week, the Super Show's Super Friends never lack the content you need to help you draft and manage your roster in the fastest growing fantasy football format, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. Enjoy your DLF podcast and stay sexy and super flexy. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yeah, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast, and in case you forgot, I'm still around. I'm Dan. That's Matt over there, and uh, I had to give Ryan a high five on his way out and my way in because <laughs> we swapped out Ryan for me. Sorry, guys. Uh, just Dan and Matt on this episode of the pod, episode 576, and we got some fun stuff to talk about this week, man. Yeah, we do. Uh, we have a wide receiver that finally, finally found Real the news. team. Yeah, I know it's been a yeah. while. Like we've been struggling for to find stuff for the startup this past this past couple of shows. Uh, we talked about like the Patriots offense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody had fun doing that. Uh, so today we have a little bit more fun thing to talk about at the top. Yeah, I guess we we flip over to the Titans offense, but we'll get that to that here in a minute. We're also going to do a segment of dynasty doppelgangers some players that share similar ADPs, actually players that have exact. the exact same ADP and we'll discuss and maybe deliberate their values, who we prefer there uh, for startup ADP. And then we're going to get to a rookie report talking about Superflex rookie ADP, comparing that back to just a couple months ago to see how these players' values have changed. That'll be a fun conversation. But let's get to that uh, big news that hit just this week. The startup. Yeah, the startup is pretty obvious this week, Pricer. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Nuke, he signed a two-year deal with the Tennessee Titans. Sounds like... Could be up to $32 million. So like wide receiver one type money. There were rumors back on draft weekend, remember, that maybe Nuke could get moved. And the Titans were rumored to be interested. But apparently that $19 million salary, that kept them from making that kind of move. So now Hopkins lands in Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill as his quarterback. Clear number one target there. Let's keep the conversation strictly to DeAndre Hopkins, first of all, Matt. How do you feel about this landing spot if you're sitting on Nuke as your wide receiver two in a dynasty league? Um, as a wide receiver two, I think I'm okay with it. I do think this is a better, you know, real life move for the Titans. Uh, I think, yeah. you know, with that with that division, you know, it, it's a little bit in flux. We've got new quarterbacks coming in. Uh, one of, you know, maybe in the past has been one of the weaker ones, but maybe it's an up and, up and coming one. But, you know, Nuke really changes the the kind of the makeup of that offense. They went from an offense yeah. with 
with, you know, uh, uh, a bunch of unproven guys as pass catchers. And now we've got, a you know, probably a, a first ballot Hall of Famer there at his advanced age. So for Nuke, you know, I, I think it's a better situation than it would have been early with if, if he had stayed in, in, in Arizona, if he was dealing with Clayton Toon or um, or Cole McCoy or whoever it was going to be before Kyler finally gets back. But, you know, once Kyler comes back, I'm not sure it's such an upgrade with Tannehill. You know, both offenses were are kind of devoid of maybe not devoid of talent. That's probably a little bit too strong, but it's clear that that Nuke is is the top guy there. There's no young stud, uh, you know, at least proven young young stud. I should say that's that's going to take too much away from him. I think he easily clears a 25 percent target share, hovers around that. He was close to 30 percent last season, I believe. So I don't think 25% of a, you know, probably a smaller pie with, with Derrick Henry there, of course. Um, but that 25% target share seems pretty attainable for, for Hopkins in Tennessee. Yeah. I'm going to echo a lot of the things you talked about there. Um, couldn't agree more, but the one thing I'll add to it that I do like that I think I see as a positive is that coaching staff. Although we we may have questions about the quarterback and, and maybe there's some questions about the offensive philosophy in general, the one thing about Mike Vrabel that I'll say is he he's a stars kind of coach. He, gives, yeah. he wants to get the ball to the best player on the field. He's done that for years with the running game and Derrick Henry, and now he gets this true alpha receiver. And, you know, whether you want to call him a – wide receiver one, wide receiver two, or wide receiver three in fantasy, he is one of the top 30 receivers in the NFL and it is a wide receiver one for an NFL team. And that's something that's that's not really been part of what the Titans have done in the past. So it'll be fun to see how Vrabel and that coaching staff decides to use him and if they give him the freedom to be that that alpha dog receiver that that gets hundreds of, of uh, he, he hits the 100, 130, 140 uh, kind of um, a target. And that that's really where we need to see him, just even to be the same kind of guy he's been when he's been in the lineup for the Cardinals over the last couple of years. But if we take the conversation to the rest of the surrounding cast, because I really feel like Hopkins can be a rock-solid wide receiver, too, for your dynasty team. That probably means good things for the quarterback, right? Tannehill is expected to play quarterback, I would say, for the entirety of this season, barring the Titans completely falling apart. And if that's the case and Nuke is playing up to DeAndre Hopkins-type status, as he has really his entire career, that can only mean good things for Ryan Tannehill, whose ADP puts him as quarterback 31. Is there a chance we could see... QB two numbers from Tannehill now that he has that alpha dog receiver. I, I absolutely think so. I mean, this kind of signing, um, you know, it kind of it kind of puts them in a place where they are going to try to contend. And like you said with Vrabel, he's the guy who's going to no matter what. It doesn't matter if there's they're playing with XFL scrubs. He's going to try to compete uh, and, mm. and and get and win every single week. And Hopkins signing does that. So Tannehill is a value. He's been a value for pretty much all off season. Right. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that they drafted Levis and uh, the offensive pieces around him aren't, aren't the, the most exciting before they got to Hopkins here, you know, an underdog ADP, you could get him as a, your, your a quarterback in the final round, the 18th round of your drafts, so like pretty much every single time. So it'll be inter- interesting to see if he moves up there from a dynasty's perspective. I feel like it's a little tough. <laughs> 
to 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 rise him up the ranks. I do think he's going to be productive enough to to be a you know if not an every week starter in a superflex league, at least as that quarterback three option for bye weeks and injuries and that kind of thing. Um, but with his age and everything, I think from a dynasty value perspective, I don't know if we're going to get too much of a bump, uh, even with some kind of impro- uh, production that we think is maybe better than we thought it would be just a few days ago. Yeah, his value certainly isn't moving up, but I think he can outperform that quarterback 31 oh, sure, uh, price tag sure. that we're talking about right now. I have one team, Matt, where I lost Tom Brady to retirement. Um, I'm waiting on CJ Stroud to be that quarterback too. And this news, I feel pretty good about this. Now Tannehill can be that quarterback too until I see what I have with Stroud or Stroud takes over, whatever that might be. That that That's a shot in the arm to his... Uh, potential to score you fantasy points in your QB2 spot. So I like what it did to Tannehill's uh, production for sure. There might be one other player on this team that that the signing of DeAndre Hopkins could really, uh, you know, jolt some energy into their into their performance. And that's Derrick Henry. If you if you put a real number one receiver on the outside, it's a lot harder to put nine guys in the box and and just load up against Derrick Henry. That play action game is a lot more lethal at this point now with Hopkins running double moves and uh, that that jolt move off the line of scrimmage where he um, fakes one way and goes the other on the stutter step. That's going to be lethal for the Titans, and I feel like Tannehill is going to get that seam with Hopkins regularly, that's going to make defensive play play honest. And Henry might get a few more of those big runs, even though his age is going up there too. Yeah. I mean, you take even more players out of the box, presumably. Right. And and I think in some regards, maybe defense, I mean, I don't know. I'm just completely speculating here, but I, I, I would guess like in some, uh, play callers' minds on on def- on the defensive side of the ball. Maybe they're a little bit less afraid of Henry than they have in the past. So maybe they they weren't going to get that much crowded at the box in the box there anyway this season. Um, but you know, with Hopkins on the outside, to take even more attention away. It, one one interesting thing about Hopkins is where where is he going to play? Because we do see these these older receivers as they get here. Speaking of, I'm going off on a complete tangent here, Dan, uh, but like Tennessee is like the new like graveyard for aging elite wide receivers going back to like AJ. Uh, oh my gosh. The guy from Houston, uh, AJ. Oh my God. Who am I? Hey, Andre, Andre, Andre Johnson, Andre yeah. Johnson. God, I can't believe I forgot that name. Andre Johnson. We had Randy Mo- Moscow there for a short stint, right? Stint, right. Uh, Jeez, we had Julio Jones kind of die on the vine there. Now we've got um, DeAndre Hopkins there. But uh, anyway, like you said, yeah, he's going to draw some co- some coverage outside of, of that. And I think it's interesting to see what's go- what's going to do to Burke's dynasty value as we transition to the rest of these pieces here, Dan. Because I think people are going to say this is going to be really bad for Traylon Burks. And you know, it might be not great so much in the year in year one. But I think one one nuance of this argument is that while Burks was probably going to get hit that 30% target share without uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I still think it's pretty realistic to be for him to be somewhere between 20 and 25, just because uh, of the the lack of other receiving weapons on this This is going to be a very focused passing offense on both Burks and uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Of course, the one guy to me that might take a hit is the one we were excited about at the tight Don't end say position. It. And that's that's, that's Chigo Conquo, man. Like he's the yeah. he feels like a little bit like the odd man out because if Henry's gonna get all of those touches like we think he is, 
uh, and you have these top two targets there, uh, it just seems like Oconquo might fall off a little bit. I think he still has spike weeks, but I'm not sure he's going to have the meteoric rise that we perhaps thought he was was going to do just a few days ago. Yeah, a lot of us were hoping for that that big rise in in dynasty value and really production too. I'm I'm kind of with you. The only thing that I see is that Chig's going to dominate the middle of the field unless they decide to bring Hopkins into the slot. In which case, I, I really don't see that happening. That that Tennessee offense is 22 personnel, two running backs, yep. uh, two wide receivers, get a tight end on the field, and really that slot receiver has been the tight end in the past. So. I think there's room for everybody to have their weeks. I don't know if there's going to be a lot of consistency. We probably don't expect that anyway out of Tennessee. Um, But I have the same fears as you. Oconquo and Burks might move back and forth. Who's that second target on the team? And, you know, every dynasty player is going to have a favorite in that conversation. I got I got a little bit sidetracked there on my conversation, but what I wanted to mention was what you just said. You know, Hopkins has not been a, a, a big time slot player. Last season, he only, only ran out of the slot 27% of the time. And we do see these aging wide receivers kind of transition to the slot, whether you want to talk about Larry Fitzgerald uh, or um, Allen Robinson this season. And it's going to be interesting to see if, if Hopkins does that. It, but like you said, it doesn't seem like he, he is. So at that advantage age, at 31, I think the, the, the story is going to be, can he still win on the outside at that age for those of you that had to pause the show to go google andre johnson's uh career <laughs> stats yes he did play in tennessee final year four games nine catches 85 yards caught a couple touchdowns i didn't remember that i remembered the indie year uh but you you slipped one by the goalie there on that one matt i just couldn't remember uh, his name other... yeah <laughs> right. Yeah, if you could only do that right he's a, he's a tough one to forget um on the other side of things matt some other news that happened over the last few days we didn't see long-term deals for these running backs these guys that are supposedly gonna play on the on the franchise tag and and maybe that's even questionable for one or more of these names we have Saquon we have Tony Pollard and we have Josh Jacobs all of them were hoping for multi-year deals and it appears they're gonna they're gonna either have to play on the on the tag or sit this thing out maybe in Barclays case I wonder how it's going to go. Like, are we going to get a we're going to get hold ins with these guys? Are they just going to suck it up and and keep playing? I, I feel like like Barkley and Jacobs would be the most likely to cause more of a stink. Whereas Pollard, you know, he's kind of getting his first shot, so he he might be happy to play on that. Uh, on that on that, maybe not happy. Happy is maybe too strong. Uh, but you know, he's going to get his starting shot. He's going to get a chance to make his mark, and he's still. Uh, you know, he's still of an age where he could he could come out of the other side of this with an extended contract if he performs as the the lead guy in this scenario. Interesting thing for him is going to be his his touchdown equity this year. Last season, uh, he ha- his his touchdowns came from an average of twenty five yards out, whereas Zeke was getting the short stuff. I think his average was like three and a half yards out. So uh, we're going to need to see his him, him him get used closer to the goal line to really realize his value. Barkley and Jacobs, we know what we get with these guys. We just need them to show up. And, uh, I mean, I, I would assume they, they are with these new rules with the way uh, contracts work but uh, and, and the, uh, not, get, not wanting to get penalized for missing time, all that kind of stuff. So I assume they're going to be in camp. I just don't know how much they're going to do in camp. Yeah, you know, you mentioned that Pollard, because of his age and this this oppor- first opportunity, Pollard's actually, and Barkley, are both 26 years old. Josh Jacobs oh, is still only 25 years old. 
This is the age oh, 25 man. season after yeah, a 24 year old breakout. That's uh, that's something to keep in your mind as dynasty managers. Jacobs is a lot younger than a lot of us remember. It feels like he's been around for a long time, just the four year contract so far. He wanted to parlay that season into a multi-year deal, uh, something with guaranteed money in year one and two, I'm sure, and that didn't quite happen. Those running backs, they were they were loud over the last handful of days. They're getting sick of these uh, these con- these one-year contracts and not as much uh, guaranteed money. We'll see if that turns into anything. But um, I, w- you know, I, I got some of these guys on some teams, so they they need to play on this. Uh, on this one-year contract and and show their team that uh, how much they need them and give them that big deal. Dynasty Doppelganger. Yeah, we got a perfect transition into Dynasty Doppelganger. This is where we compare two players that have the exact same ADP and debate which one is worth more and who we would want to invest in on our Dynasty rosters. We were just talking about Josh Jacobs. He is the first uh, topic to cover here. Him and Nick Chubb both have the exact same ADP, Matt, 34.67. So if you got to invest a third-round pick in a, I don't know, you'd say middle-aged running back, I guess, that has been an RB1 in the past, you have to choose one of these guys. Which one are you taking? You know, I guess the smart money is Jacobs because he's two years younger than Nick Chubb you know, from a, from that age yeah. standpoint, but I feel much more confident that Chubb is going to have, you know, I think, I think I, I know Jacobs just is it. So maybe, so maybe I'm completely wrong, but my gut feeling is that Chubb has, has, has a much better chance at finishing as kind of an elite fantasy asset in 2023. Kareem Hunt is gone. All that's behind him right now is Jerome Ford. We hope another, uh, a full off season of work with the team is going to make Deshaun Watson return to his previous form when he was with Houston and that this entire offense should really just get lifted uh, on the back of Watson. Um, so I think I'm going to go Chubb here, even though the, the, the age thing is, is, is a little bit more in, in Jacob's favor in two year two years, in fact. Yeah, I think, I think I would buy the two years. I'd take those two years and, and buy into what Jacobs did last season in that offense and the fact that they gave him that franchise tag and they at least want to see him do it one more time. You made some good points there about Nick Chubb. And, you know, he's a guy, he's, he's going to get you 200-plus carries. He's going to hit 1,000 yards. He hit 1,500 last year. And between 8 and 12 touchdowns in all five of his NFL seasons – He's really that that bell cow back. The only problem, and, and this is why I thought maybe you'd go the other way, Matt, is he's not not been involved as much as we want in the passing game. And, and maybe that's going to change now that we don't have Kareem Hunt in that backfield, at least not yet, yet. knock on wood. And, you know, maybe they add somebody. I would assume there's probably going to be another name added at some point in Cleveland, and maybe that would change some some fantasy players' opinion on this question. I think Jacobs is in line for another another huge carry total and a big workload at the goal line, and he has a, a big enough role in that passing game uh, that I feel like he's the better bet for short-term production over the next couple of years. It's a close one, and ADP certainly suggests that, though. What if it was just for this season? Yeah, I think I I think that, that was the tiebreaker in it. That's why okay. I went to Jacobs, actually. I, I see him... I see him as a better bet to have a blow up year than, than maybe, maybe Chubb. And, and maybe that's wrong just because Chubb doesn't have the competition and you know, really Jacobs doesn't, 
doesn't really either. Um, that's a fun debate and, and one that lots of dynasty managers are having in the third round uh, of their startups right now. Matt, I think I could speak for both of us and even even Ryan that if we're in the third round of a startup, we're, we're not oh, looking no. at these names. <laughs> uh, let's go to a position that we do like to invest in uh, early and often. It's the wide receiver position. It's right about the four or five turn in your startup uh, draft. We're talking about Buccaneers wide out Chris Godwin and Colts uh, pass catcher Michael Pittman. Both guys, 49.67. It's really a question of quarterback for me, Matt. Which way are you going to go with these two receivers? This one's one's really tough, too, because you could just do the easy thing and take the age. Pittman's, uh, I believe, a year and a half-ish younger than Chris Godwin. But both of them have... Listen, you guys know I love Anthony Richardson, but I'm not necessarily counting on him going out and making Michael Pittman a 1,400, 1,500-yard receiver. You know, I just don't think that's going to happen in year one. So mm-hmm. he's going to need to develop to get Pittman there. Obviously, Godwin has to deal with Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask or whoever it's going to be for this season. But I believe Godwin – I should have looked this up before, of course, but I believe Godwin uh, could could move on uh, a lot much – certainly sooner than – um, that Michael Pittman could. So I'm going to stick with Pittman here, but I think Godwin is going to have a much better 2023. I, I you know, if, if, if we still have some, some chatter out there that maybe Mike Evans gets moved before the trade deadline, if that's the case, then you got Godwin soaking up most of those targets in the passing game. So you get the volume argument um, there as well. So I, I think I'm going to say Pittman, but this one is, this one's maybe the toughest one on the list for me, Dan. Yeah, I thought it was really close, too. I tried to set you up with the quarterback thing, but <laughs> I actually, the quarterback is what sways me to Godwin. And yeah, for the reasons that, that you mentioned there, I'm not expecting Richardson to really put on a show with his arm, although he certainly has the potential to do that at at some point in his career. Godwin's so consistent. He needs short passes, a strength of Baker Mayfield's. They're going to build that offense around Godwin getting the ball in his hands. And I think we could see a really a really strong season once again from Chris Godwin, who is only 27 years old. So um, a guy that you, you mentioned, maybe there's an out. There is a potential out uh, before next season yeah. for Godwin. It, there'd be a big cap hit. Um, so most likely he's there through 2024. But either way, um, I, I kind of like Baker Mayfield in that offense. We've heard a little bit of hype uh, out of Tampa Bay about Baker and – you know, we're not going to get too tied up in all that, but there it's not a very big leap for me to see Baker Mayfield targeting Chris Godwin eight, nine, ten times a game because he's always open and he's right in the middle of the field where Baker likes to throw it. Yeah, but six of those are hitting a, a, a defensive lineman in the hands on his way to Godwin. <laughs> well, well said. Maybe that's true. So we're two for two. I went one way. You went the other. Let's uh, Let's go cross position for this one. We have Kyler Murray, quarterback for the for the Cardinals that we mentioned earlier in the show, and then Jonathan Mingo, the rookie receiver. They both have the exact same ADP of 110.17. Which way are you going on this one in single quarterback, man? This one's easy for me. I'm taking I'm taking Kyler here. Uh, yeah. even in single quarterback, we talk about how in single quarterback, you know, you really are just shooting for ceiling and Kyler Murray is he has that when he's when he's uh, when he's healthy. You know, I think he's one of two or three quarterbacks that has the ability to to both throw for 5,000 yards and rush for 1,000 yards in the same season. 
Um, we've had positive reports. We even had one uh, last week, I believe, where, I mean, obviously he's going to say that that he's he's shooting to be ready for week one. But all of the reports that he's that have been positive. So maybe he's not ready for week one, but maybe he doesn't even miss half of the season like we were thinking. You know, I think the, the range of possibilities are him starting week one all the way to missing the entire season. But if we were going to put you know, some odds on that, I, I would probably bet somewhere around that four to six game mark that we met that, that, that he's going to miss rather than half to the full part of the season. Um, so yeah, Kyler here, I, I, I like Mingo fine, but I want, I want to take the proven asset and I want the quarterback, even in one quarterback leagues that can make a difference for my team. Yeah. That ADP for Kyler down there at 110. that that's certainly injury related. Just a year ago, his ADP was 70 a year before that it was all the way up at 39. So, you know, we were talking about him as a top five quarterback and, and sure, Kyler's game has some flaws and maybe his leadership is, is a question for him and something that he has to address at some point. But the truth is he scores a lot of fantasy points when he's on the field, doing it with, with both his legs and his arm. And that that kind of value when we're talking about what is he quarterback 12 right now, you're getting him as the last starting quarterback. And sure, we might have to wait six or eight or 10 weeks to get him on the field in 2023 but i i can't take uh what feels like to me as a second round type value uh wide receiver uh, uh, maybe even a dart throw type value wide receiver on a rookie over kyler murray who isn't that far removed from being a top five option at his position and performing that way and to extend that out a little bit i think there's some actual info here for for our listeners i think kyler is the this is, I guess this may be more for Superflex, but we're talking one quarterback here. But I think he's the cheapest entry point right now into that elite tier of quarterbacks. Uh, in Redless 2, oh, which no is a Superflex league, I just sent two 2025 firsts, so two years out. Two, probably, you know, who knows, two years out, but probably on the later side for Kyler. You know, just thinking ahead, like I, I just feel like that is a that kind of move is a slam dunk for someone right now, especially in Superflex. And in a one quarterback league, if you can send a late first, which is where Mingo is is, is typically going late first, early second, if you can make that happen for Kyler, I mean, I think you have to do that too. Yeah, I just saw C.J. Stroud straight up for Kyler Murray, mm, so that yeah. that was an intriguing one. Um, and that was in single quarterback. As well. So um, his values really at an all time low, Matt, it's, it's down there and it's because of this injury. It's probably because of the coaching change and the, the questions surrounding that offense in general. It's not going to take very many uh, big runs from Kyler Murray or big throws down the seam before dynasty managers start pumping him up once again. Uh, let's dip just a couple picks later in uh, in ADP down another cross position conversation here. We got running back Brian Robinson versus wide receiver Gabe Davis, who seems to be just one of them players that dynasty managers love to debate, Matt. It's, it's well, I love Gabe Davis's upside. He's in that offense. All those good things about, about those, you know, the four touchdown game and, and, the, and the big plays that he makes versus, yeah, but how do you know when to play him? And they got all these other great players on the team. He's, he's the third or the fourth guy in the pecking order. It really depends this conversation, Robinson versus Davis on, on where you fall in that Gabe Davis uh, landing spot of, of what he's worth at this point in dynasty. Yeah, I was, I was big time off of the Gabe train last season, but now the, the ADP is, it's kind of palatable, you know, like it's, it's like, it's at the point where I'm like, I'm sort of interested. Like if, 
if for some reason we, you know, we, I, I, again, it's probably not going to happen, but earlier a few weeks ago, we had the, the drama between Stefan Diggs and the team. And, you know, maybe he's not going to show up. He's not happy with not being involved, play calling all this kind of stuff. But if Stefan Diggs was to miss time for whatever reason, whether it's this drama, whether it's an injury or whatever, we're looking at Gabe Davis as the wide receiver one for Josh Allen. And, I, I'm I'm taking that side here. Like I, I I'm not a, a Gabe Davis fan, so so to speak. But like at this price range, and for uh, you know what, a middling running back two in Brian Robinson who's sharing time with uh, a player that I think both of us like better in Antonio Gibson. I think you have to take Gabe Davis in this battle. Yeah, I took Gabe Davis as well. So we agree on two in a row. And just to piggyback off of what you were saying. The value in the middle of last season, Matt, he was for three straight months during the season, his his ADP was in the 50s. Yeah. So if he was a stock right now, his stock split, he's he's worth half as much. You can get him so much later. We're talking about double digit rounds in a startup at this point. You're, you're usually filling out backups or your last starter at that point and to get that kind of upside. Uh, in an offense that that we all want to invest in. I like that as well. The one big pro if. If I was playing in a best ball league, I'd love Gabe Davis because he he's going to have those two or three big weeks that are going to carry your team. The problem is clicking his name in a starting lineup is a little bit too difficult because we never know when that one for six is coming, coming your way. And that's certainly going to happen a few times as well. But at this price point, it doesn't feel so bad as when his ADP was 52 just uh, seven or eight months ago. Last night, 24. Ganger. Yeah, only 24, only 24 years old. Good point. Yeah, very young. Brian, Brian Robinson's older than him, isn't he? Yeah, I think I so. Think he's 25, yeah. Uh, <laughs> John Mechie, uh, his ADP is 169.33. We're digging deep here, Matt. DJ yeah. Chark, same exact ADP. These two wide receivers, are you going with the young guy or the guy who has uh, trying to hold on? I mean, it, it's fascinating because both of these guys are are with are with with two of the top rookie quarterbacks, right? Uh, it's just it's funny with the way it played out that way. You have the 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 kind of surprise, the lottery ticket with John Mechie. We have no idea what's going to happen and what kind of shape he is and how he's meshing with the quarterback, all that kind of stuff after coming off of uh, that treatment. And DJ Chark, he has a you know he, he has an, a thousand yard season under his belt. Uh, the coaching staff brought him over, um, uh, Deuce Staley brought him over from Detroit, you know, it didn't yeah. have a great stint in Detroit really, but I mean, that kind of speaks something to me and there, the, there's just no proven weapons really in, in, in Carolina right now, outside of uh, the, the aging, aging, very aging Adam Thielen. Right. So I don't know, this one's really tough too. I think I'll probably take Mechie just like for the unknown upside of what he could offer in the NFL, but Char- Chark is probably the safer of the two picks. Yeah, he's safer, but I, I mean, if, if safe is safe this deep, yeah. like guaranteed to get you 18 catches on the season, then he's the safer uh, one. But if you're shooting on. for, for something more than that, uh, you got to go with the young, really he's a rookie. John Mechie's a rookie. He had yeah. the draft capital a year ago. And if you remember back to when we were doing the rookie report card uh, about a year and a half ago, I was a John Mechie fan. In fact, in all our mock drafts that we did, I was talking up John Mechie as a third round pick and, and things didn't work out. He, he had the health scare and, you know, missed an entire season, but that guy was pretty darn good in college. And sure. He didn't shine quite as bright as some of those other Alabama crimson tide wide receivers, but, 
But Mechie's a slot receiver, made for the slot. He's a polished route runner uh, on the inside, and he's really, really instinctive uh, at the top of his route to uncover and create some separation. He showed it in college. I think he's going to show it at the next level too. And he might be a sleeper that one of those guys that I, I just want on every single team because he's so darn cheap. We're talking about like wide receiver 65 or wherever he is. We're talking about these guys as wide receiver fives on your roster. I want John Mechie easily on this one. Um, he, he's one of the guys that, that I'm just going to keep investing in until I see it on the field because I'm waiting for him to get his shot. Uh, with that, why don't we move to the rookie report and talk about some of this year's rookie class. It's time for the rookie report. Yeah, I love this segment. No matter which direction we take it, man, because talking about rookies is just all we want to do here on the DLF Dynasty podcast. <laughs> and we have some some like relatively revealing information, I would say. We're, we're comparing May rookie ADP to July rookie ADP and trying to find the differences and and really identify if there's if there's any values to be ha- had out there. Um, if we take this conversation from the direction of biggest change in ADP, we're going to be talking about a lot of the the low end prospects, right? We're going to be talking about guys who move from the fifth round up to the fourth round or from the fourth round to the third round, potentially. You're looking at this list, Matt. Is there one name that jumps off to you as there? That's the guy. That makes sense. That that difference in ADP, I'm buying in on that. Um, I mean, if we're talking about buying in on it, I think we probably have to look at the fallers. And I mean, I don't really get the Tucker Craft fall of 17 spots, the biggest faller on the list from 34 yeah. overall to 51. You, you know, I, I guess people were maybe doing some rookie drafts before the drafts. Actually, no, because this is from May. The first first data point is from May. So what happened right. between May and July that we didn't already know? We already knew he was maybe playing second, second fiddle to, to Luke Musgrave for the Packers. Um, people just like forget about it in May and now in July, they're like, Oh yeah, maybe we shouldn't take the, the tight end two or three on the Packers. I just don't know. That's the big, biggest one for me. Uh, not just because of the falling spot, but because like, I, I just don't get why, like if, if people have sour between now and then I will take the, 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 the two round discount there, like pretty easily. Yeah. Like, we were talking, and and honestly, I'm still talking about him as a late yeah. third round dart throw yeah. guy. I want to invest in and, his ADP has fallen all the way to 51. So not only do you have to wait through the third round, but you have to wait through the fourth, fourth round, round to get yeah. his ADP. And you mentioned that fall of 17 spots. He was going to be my selection as well. The next biggest fall is seven spots. So more than double of guys like Eric Gray and Kayshawn Butte and Sean Tucker, who all fell seven spots. That's that's really surprising. I'll, since you took Tucker Craft, and that's a great selection there, I'm going to go the other direction and take a player that gained value. And it's only two spots, but he moved from number nine overall to number seven. And that's about exactly how I changed his value. I'm talking about wide receiver Quinton Johnston for the Chargers. I can't say how uh, regretful I am for my negative takes on Johnston. I, I had so much fear that the draft was going to tell us something that we just didn't want to see. And I had, I almost, not quite to this extent, Matt, but 
I wondered at times, are we going to see what happened to Kayshawn Butte happen to Quentin Johnson, fall rounds in the draft? And that just didn't happen. On top of that, he got a great landing spot, although he's behind a couple of veterans that, that honestly could move on in a year or two at least. Uh, a coaching staff that, at the very least, we trust them to throw the ball and a quarterback that we trust to get the ball to the open receiver. That just speaks so highly of what Quentin Johnston could be and honestly, I'm starting to coming around, coming around on potentially him having a really nice rookie season. He's only one injury away from getting a lot of playing time. And those guys in San Diego, or excuse, whoa, that's a blast from the past, in Los <laughs> Angeles, uh, they tend to get hurt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Keenan missed a big chunk of the time. We know the deal with Mike Williams. He makes an amazing play and then misses four games. You know, so I think Quentin Johnson is absolutely going to be on the field and be a big part of this offense. And he meshes well with what uh, with what Kellen Moore wants to do. You know, he he is going to increase the pace of play. He wants to throw the ball downfield. We want to see Justin Herbert throw the ball downfield. We saw that a lot during his rookie season. Uh, last year, they decided to turn him into this dink and dunk quarterback for one of the guys that has one of the biggest arms in the entire game. It just really didn't make any sense. So I agree with you. I was way down on Quentin Johnston. It's been my biggest turnaround on any rookie uh, and I'm very excited. Uh, I, I think seven is a perfect spot for him. I think people are still good. I think I think most people still want to take Zay Flowers over him. In my recent rookie drafts that I've done, in that in that kind of range, I have taken Quentin Johnson just behind Addison. Um, so I think he has 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 jumped that. And I could even uh, honestly, I, I could see you take him ahead of Addison too if you really felt like. I mean, I just feel like the ceiling is so much higher if Johnston was to hit. If Addison hits, he's going to be a nice player. He's going to be probably a perennial wide receiver too. Johnston has that athletic ability to really, uh, you know, emerge if if that's what, how the Chargers decide to use him. Yeah, maybe even dynasty wide receiver, top 12 wide receiver type upside if yeah. everything clicks for him because of that athletic profile. Matt, there were there were eight or nine guys who moved up at least five spots, between five and 12 spots in ADP between May and July. Those guys are Xavier Hutchinson, who moved up 12 spots from 52 Why? to 40. Uh, Justin Shorter from 60 to 50. So that's 10 spots. A.T. Perry, he moved up nine spots uh, to the beginning of the fourth round. Dwayne McBride, same thing. Nine spots, early, uh, excuse me, late third round pick now. Other guys include Clayton Toon, who moved eight spots. Deneric Prince, who moved up six. That's an interesting one for sure. Deuce Vaughn, who moved up six spots. Evan Hull, who moved up six spots as well into the third round. And then Tank Bigsby moves from 25 to 20. Any of these guys really catch your attention? Uh, well, the first one is right off the top is why did Hutchinson move up 12 spots? Like what, what happened there? I mean, he's, I don't, I feel like nothing. I didn't really hear, see too much Hutchinson news. He's, he's yeah, I actually had to Google Houston it. Dev- yeah, he's on. Like <laughs> I, I Googled Dev- it when you, when you sent this list. I had to Google. I'm like, what What did I miss yeah. on Xavier made, Hutchinson? There's no news. There's nothing. <laughs> nothing. Not a thing. He'd made almost no noise in camp. Like, I, yeah, I don't get that. One that does make sense. So actually, there are two that really make sense to me. Uh, the first one is it Dwayne McBride. Me. It makes sense Yep. Uh, because Dalvin has moved on. We only have Madison in front of him. Madison has been fine as a starter. Very good for fantasy, actually. But like, if you boil it down, I don't know if Madison's really a special kind of player. 
And McBride was a heck of a runner. And obviously he's, he's not going to catch too many passes for you, but you know, one injury away, really. I mean, we could talk about Ty Chandler too, but I think McBride really profiles more as that early down guy over someone like Chandler. And then the other one is Clayton Toon because I think he's going to start week one for the Cardinals. Mm, I just do. Okay. Yeah. I, I guess I, I didn't expect you to pick him as the second one that made sense. I, I kind of expected you to be the tank Bigsby. Maybe that I mean, was I like the him. second one that, that I considered um, Bigsby uh, down there in Jacksonville. That's not too bad a spot to, to maybe even potentially get some early down work. You mentioned Dwayne McBride and his ability to run between the tackles and maybe be a first and second down option. Little of that might exist there with Tank Bigsby too. I wouldn't be shocked if they turn and hand him the ball eight or 10 times and save P Ryan for big opportunities and, or excuse me, not P Ryan, uh, ETN, <laughs> ETN. Uh, for bigger opportunities and, and shots, shot plays on the outside where, where they're trying to get him in space a little bit more. They, they might've overworked him a little bit last season talking about ETN and they might see Bigsby as a guy that can take some of that workload off of them. So I like him as instead of being an early third, I can see taking him in the late second as a guy that, that I don't mind. Um, some of those other names in there that I mentioned, they're, they're kind of middle of the road. There's guys who were fourth rounder, late fourth rounders that became mid fourth rounders or early fourth rounders. Those other ones kind of, kind of jump off some other guys that gained some value here. Chris Rodriguez, uh, moved four spots in the fifth round. Puka Nakua moved up four spots in the, uh, fourth round as well. Uh, Izzy Vanakanda. Go ahead. I thought I thought Puka was going to be the top mover when we first. Yeah, Ryan I kind of talked about so Puka together. I was like, it's Puka. He's number one mover, but only four spots somehow. Still, so still in the I've, fourth I've, round. I've looked closely at a couple live or, or real drafts from the last few weeks. I was involved in one of them even, and he didn't go in the three any of the three three round drafts. Uh, Puka Nakua. Oh. So. That was that was a little bit surprising. Maybe we're a tad higher on Nakua than maybe the rest of the dynasty community, and and maybe that happens sometimes because we talk to each other all the time. But I was surprised as well. Expected him to be in the 30s rather than the 40s. Uh, Izzy Abanacanda, a couple spots. Jonathan Mingo, a couple spots. Uh, we already talked about Quentin Johnston. There's a bunch of guys, including Cedric Tillman and Devin A. Chain and Jameer Gibbs, Jalen. Hyatt, uh, Kendra Miller, Marvin Mims, Tank Dell, your guy, Zach Charbonnet, lots of names like that that moved one spot, whether it be from uh, 27 to 26 or from 12 to 11. Those guys are kind of in the middle of the road along with Anthony Richardson and Bryce Young, all the, all the big names that didn't move at all. There's a handful of other guys that really fell, Matt, between three and seven spots. That's Rashi Rice from 19 to 22. Darnell Washington from 36 to 41. Eric Gray, uh, he dropped seven spots. Kayshawn Booty dropped seven spots. And Sean T Tucker dropped seven spots. Are any of these guys, that, if we had to pick one of these to invest in at their, their new value, which one would it be? It's probably a pretty easy answer. I'm going to leave you to talk about Rashi Rice because I know you want to. <laughs> okay. So, All right. I'll, you got another I'll, one? Pick out, I'll pick out Eric Gray there. Uh, cause okay. I, mean, I don't, again, I don't know why, like nothing is nothing good has happened with Saquon's long-term outlook, right? He didn't get the, the big deal. It seems like he's not going to get a big deal. Uh, and I mean, behind, behind him, we've got Matt Breida. We've got, what is Gary Brightwell still hanging on? Uh, I just think gray, I think he absolutely has an opportunity here. If for some reason, something 
God forbid happens to Saquon during the course of the season or next season, they, you know, they're not going to go in with Eric Gray as their locked in starter, but he's going to have an opportunity to show something this year, I think, and, and maybe set himself up for the future. Yeah, I'll take the take the easy one here, the low-hanging fruit. It is Rashi Rice moving from 19 down to 22. I see him as a mid-second-round pick. I think he's 19 in my ranking still. And, and I don't know what's changed for him that would have pushed him down at all. Still has the elite landing spot. Still has the draft capital that we really liked. Uh, second-rounder, late second-round, mid-to-late-second-rounder. Um, that size-speed guy, he's... He's over six foot. He's over 200 pounds. He kind of checks all those boxes and he still ran that four five flat 40, I believe it was. So maybe he doesn't have that elite vertical speed, but he, he's a, he's a, he's got the, um, that ability to play underneath and then make plays after the catch that I think could translate well in Kansas city specifically, especially considering the rest of the talent in that wide receiver core. They, they have those blazers on the outside going all the way to like Marquez Valdez Scantling. And then the younger guys, they don't necessarily have a guy who can be, who can be that guy for Patrick Mahomes uh, as a pass catcher on the outside. And I think rice might just fit into that uh, value to get him at 22 overall late second round pick. That, that feels pretty good. I like that one for sure. Other guys that lost some value, just a couple spots include Will Levis and Michael Mayer. Are there any other names on this list, Matt, that really jump out to you? Uh, big changes that you think we should be acting on? Um, I don't think so. I think there was just those couple that seemed weird and we don't understand why they moved up, whether it's Hutchinson and shorter or Kraft falling, but everybody else I think is kind of within a, a reasonable range and, and moved up or down for, for, uh, for good reason. Yeah, I'll mention that Levis, he has he fell from 11 to 13, and that's something that I'm seeing in the drafts that I've been looking at over the last couple of months. He's typically either the 12th, 13th, 14th, or 15th pick, uh, whether it's super flex, you know, and even in super flex leagues, because people just aren't sure what to expect. I got to say, I kind of like that value, though. I'm a little bit higher on Levis than you are, of course. Uh, well, and Ryan always breaks the tie in my in my favor <laughs> on this one. But to to get somebody with at least his arm talent at the end of the first round or even beginning of the second round in rookie drafts and super flex leagues, that man, that feels all right. Well, I love it if he's there at the two hundred one because you know you have that decision at the top in super flex leagues. Like obviously, I mean, Bijan is the pick for ninety nine point nine percent of people, but a lot of teams that had earned that pick are they earned that pick because they're bad and they're probably bad at quarterback. So to be able to get Bijan and still be able to take a, a shot at qu- a quarterback at, at the 13th um, pick at the 201 with Levis, I mean, that, that feels pretty good to me. So e- even, even me as a Levis hater, I, I like taking him there. Uh, it just has that dark throw and he's a quarterback in Superflex, So he's going to be worth something at some point. I'm going to, I'm going to cut that out and replay it for, for Ryan. <laughs> even, even as a hater, I like taking uh, Will Levis right there. Uh, one other thing to mention about this list that we put together, CJ Stroud, his ADP back in May was four overall. It's now five. So right in the same range. I saw seen two drafts here just recently uh, where he fell to number seven overall. <laughs> so you're talking about value with Levis. I saw, I saw owners just, just screaming to the podium to take CJ Stroud at seven overall. That feels like such a value. We're pushing guys like Jordan Addison up above them. 
um, and Jameer Gibbs up above them in super flex leagues. And that, that seems like a pretty risky proposition. If you ask me, I'm okay with pushing JSN and Gibbs above him, but I think Addison is a, is a bridge too far for me. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that might I, be a stretch. I, I, yeah, I probably wouldn't do it. Maybe JSN. I'm probably not putting Gibbs above him, uh, ever, but, uh, yeah, definitely ahead of Addison. Like Addison cannot go go above Stroud, you guys. Saw Jameer Gibbs in a super flex league go two overall about a week and a half ago. So uh, the the Gibbs hype train is real. Uh, maybe yep. we can capitalize on that. What do you think, Matt? You got we got time for a question? You want to throw one in? Yeah, well, we could throw a couple in here. Right. This is well, let's hear from the listeners. It's time for the question of the week. Yeah, what do you got, Matt? Sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. I, was, I forgot we got these fancy drops now. Um, we are. Uh, let's do an old one because I feel bad that we haven't gotten to this guy. The real MCG one. This is a pretty good question, Dan, and it's easy. It's an easy answer for me, um, but it's what Ooh, is your I want to biggest... hear yours then. If it's yeah, that easy, your... I got to hear yours first. Okay. What is your biggest, the biggest leak in your dynasty game, and what have you done to try to shore it up? Okay. For me, it's real easy. It's waivers. I hate waivers. And I hate it less now okay. that I have reduced my my leagues to from about 20, 25-ish down to about 10. And it's made 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 waiver grinding a lot easier for me. So pretty easy answer there. I can't stand waivers. I prefer the deeper leagues. And when you have those deeper leagues with 30 plus roster spots, you know, you're and you spend an hour each week on each league just looking for that one nugget that might be able to start for you one time during the season. It's just, I, I'd like to spend my time in other ways. So reducing leagues, the number of leagues is what has helped me in that regard. Okay. Mine's going to piggyback right off of that. My, my biggest leak, my biggest weakness was accepting every invite to be in a new league mm. and falling in love with new ideas and, and trying new things out. And while that has led to some really fun things like vampire leagues um, and the salary cap leagues that I love now, I've played in some duds because of it. And that took my attention away from the leagues that I really care about. I think focusing on the proper amount of leagues, and I'll never be the guy that says you can't have more than 10 or you can't have more than three, whatever that number is for you that where you have enough time that you can commit to trying to be competitive, trying to win every single week, and you never miss something that is flagrant where you forgot to start somebody or forgot to take somebody out of your lineup that was out on Wednesday. Those kind of things, if those are happening, cut back the leagues, make it fun again. That was a weakness for me. And over the last couple of years, I've slimmed mine down and I'm enjoying uh, Dynasty more because of it. Um, I wish Ryan was here for that one because he's always got a good answer to those kind of questions. He, he typically doesn't have any weaknesses, but maybe we could have got one out of him on that one. Uh, <laughs> Matt, you got anything else for us here? Uh, we, I, I'm going to give you two quick ones real quick. One, uh, the first one here, one of them is not on the sheet, Dan. It's a, it's a, another softball for you, I think. But uh, the one on the sheet here, who's, an, who's, a, who's a running back currently outside the top 150 overall that you're stashing? For me, it's Jalen Warren at 160 overall, running back 50. I just think he is going to cut into Najee Harris's uh, uh, playtime even more than he did last season. I think he's a better pass catcher. I think he's the more explosive big play athlete. Um, so, yeah, for me, it's Jalen Warren there. Um, I don't have ADP in front of me. That's horrible. The host of a, okay. a dynasty league. Um, where does Chase Brown fit? Is he? He's got to be right around. Uh, he's right a now. guy yeah, that one forty. Ooh, you just missed the cut. One forty eight. 
not just, oh, just under the I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a mat and take credit. It, it's a good one. Uh, yeah. You know, we got the news this week, and it's something that we kind of glazed over. We didn't talk about that. That Mixon got the new deal, and he, he took a pay cut. He's gonna be around. But I didn't read that news. I didn't get that that blurb and think to myself, "Ooh, Cincinnati loves Joe Mixon. They're they're gonna ride him, and he's their guy." It kind of made me think that they're gonna run it back for a year. And and maybe Chase Brown is something there. We might have to wait a year, but I wouldn't be shocked if we see Chase Brown get those four, five, six, seven touches a game and maybe carve out that that future role down the road. And if, if he's the guy standing next to Joe Burrow a year from now, we're all going to wish we had Chase Brown on our rosters. And he is yeah, at and exactly I- 150 according to what I see. So he, comes. well, well next month, I'm sure he's going to fall after that news. Right. So he'll be, he'll definitely yeah, be yeah, outside the should. 150 after, after that news. Last one for you, Dan, from Twitter, from uh, a guy in one of my leagues, Stephen Duke. Uh, if Purdy is for sure the starter, what do we do with Lance? Oh, I mean, man, you just hold, right. Question. You just got to keep holding. Right. I think yeah. It's a great hold. question. You cannot sell him because his value is already fallen to the point where we're valuing guys like Jared Goff and Kenny Pickett over Trey Lance. And, and that's, that's a big fall. Um, looking at ADP. Yes, I did just pull it up to, to confirm that you weren't <laughs> lying to me. Uh, Lance is at quarterback 23. And like I said, Geno Smith, Russell Wilson, Jared Goff, Jordan Love, and Kenny Pickett are the five quarterbacks over him. So I imagine if he loses, truly loses that out, that job, and they announce Purdy as the starter, Lance could potentially fall a few more spots. He's definitely going to fall behind Brock Purdy. So selling him at this point is ridiculous. You're not going to get anything for him. Um, would you buy? We, we just got to hold him. I, I, you, think I'd hold, I think I'd buy him. He, it might be one of those new situation, get a get a breath of fresh air in your career situations. And if if the, I still believe in the talent, I think it's raw, but it's, it's, it's under there somewhere. I'd be buying. I, I wish I would have waited to buy until now, because even <laughs> even at that ADP that we just mentioned, quarterback twenty three, man, that feels like a screaming value, even though he's in a in a situation where he may not win out and end up on the field. I, I did try um, to buy multiple times this this off season for just. A I tried a couple second. too. No, yeah. a single second isn't getting it done. So maybe a couple of seconds. I didn't have a couple of seconds in those spots where I was trying to. Um, but yeah. that would be, be my limit. I don't think I'm paying a first at this point. Are you? No, you can't pay a first. Yeah. I I uh, did the same thing, offered a second for Lance and got shot down and was telling another league mate about it. And he goes, well, I'll take I'll take a second for Jordan Love. And I said, OK, oh. so okay. Well, <laughs> that, that one turned that out pretty good. Out, man. <laughs> so uh, every now and then things work out in your favor. Um, and I guess talk to your league uh, mates. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to know what can mates. happen. Stay active. That's a, that's good advice for sure. Hopefully it's all three of us next week for the first time in a month. What the hell? We got to figure this out. Uh, for Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you again next week on the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.